Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm here with Fiona Arrigo. She's the founder of the Arrigo Programme and a place to heal. Fiona, welcome. Thank you, Richard. And um, yeah, I was excited to come on this morning just on the very name of your podcast, Being Human. So thank you for having me. Yeah. And, and before we came on, you said you, yeah, you love the name and you were tr- attracted to these, these, these bigger questions. So what, yeah, what comes to mind for you when you think about this, this idea of being human? What's, what's there for you? Yeah, I think, you know, it's such a big question of today in terms of how we are changing and what we are becoming. And for sure, there is um, a deeper narrative that has been called now for many of us, which is, I think, probably my most important question is, in my own life, how does my personal life affect the whole? And I think this, these new human qualities of listening, being, stopping, pausing, reflecting, It's not that any of this is new, but in this age of consciousness, we're leaning into these qualities a lot more. I think Um, we're into definitely a a call for coherence, Um, an age of conversation. As humans, we can no longer come from the place of the past of knowing it all, energy and enforcing our thoughts, I think. The new human being is much more spacious and enters into conversation and listening. I think accountability and integrity is huge. And I think also really understanding that we matter and how our personal lives really do affect the whole. And in that, it requires um, a kind of spiritual, if you like, maturity. I think. For many of us, we're having to mature and grow up and take this old world in a new way, which is become responsible, but not be dutiful, responsible, heavy burdened, but more in a lift off to an awakening where we can be effective in our co-creation, which brings us into our individual lives matter hugely. And who are we as we, you know, take these new footprints? It's so relevant today. Our personal work, who we are as individuals, we can't shirk that. You know, before we've hidden, we've hidden so well behind in this grand age of materialism that is breaking down and this, in a way, age of entitlement and gratification and blame. I think that, you know, to shirk because we haven't been educated to know that our lives are significant, our meditation is significant, our uh, regulation is significant. We haven't been taught this. We've been taught to look out and to get, and we've been educated on a reward system. If you do, you will have. And all that is breaking down. You know, we're, we're really at a tipping point of such extraordinariness. So does has that answered it? In a little yeah. Way? Yeah. I'm, 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 two things are coming to me as you say that. The first is this, this really important truth that gets you know, ridiculed and dismissed um, that 
we are part of this greater whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And every, we're, we're connected to every, everything's connected to everything else. Yeah. And even, even the thought I have changes the, the whole experience of, of the universe for everybody else. Right. I mean, that is such a, a profound thought. And I think it's something that could only be experienced. Like I kind of understand the people who are like, Oh, that's so woo woo. Oh, come on. You know, um, because until you've experienced that, it it just it just seems odd. It just seems esoteric and out there. And I suppose that I've found with my, the the what I've done is the more first of all through therapy and sort of therapy in terms of calming, but then through the more meditative practices and more spiritually oriented practices, you know, to that sort of elevating is that you you start to experience. Yes, there is this there's this connection. There's, there's something else beyond me that I'm connected to. And once you start to fill into that, then everything you've just said makes makes sense. Mm-hmm. That the choices I make, the thoughts I think, the feelings that does affect everything else. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, that that then does lend itself to the well. Okay, well, and then what am I responsible for? What am I accountable for? Because if that's true, and everything that I do does connect in some way to everybody else's experience, then then yeah, then it's, it, it, I start to have these sense of, oh, well, it's incumbent on me to act and, and think in certain ways. So, yeah. yes. And I, I think, I think also, Richard, you know, that in our, the way that we've been educated and listen, you know, I would be the last one to say anything is wrong, but I'm just saying we're in a field of change right now where the old ways aren't serving so well. And if we are on the tipping point of possible extinction, we've got to wake up and do something radical which can be this, what you've just said, your own internal principles. But we haven't been educated. It's quite interesting if you look at our Western culture in this, what I've just mentioned, gratification and entitlement. This new, and this is taken, of course, from our indigenous leaders, where they talk to us all the time about caring, caring for community, caring for the land, caring for nature, caring for our future generations, not just what's going to happen next week in our petrol crisis. You know, it's like we we haven't got these, um, in a way, educational models. We weren't taught spiritually. We weren't taught philosophically. We weren't taught like in the old Tibetan schools. You know, they learned by contemplation and debate. Um, and often throwing books at each other in ripples of laughter. You know, we've been <laughs> squeezed into such smallness, and yet we've expanded in such influence or as Westerners without very much internal central knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose we prove to ourselves that we can manipulate the material world. Absolutely. But... but- but we've lost, yeah, that deeper connection. And you're right. I think, I think is a form of wake. Yeah, it's kind of cliched, isn't it? Waking up, but there is this sense that there is. But don't be afraid of cliches. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we're so modest, but you know, we are waking up. It is happening. You know, it can't be oversaid and we mustn't be scared of that. You know, no good. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, but I, I see this, this, this parallel process, right? Because on the one hand, you look out the world and, you know, especially now where we are at with the with the COVID situation. You know, there's 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 control, there's tell, there's push, there's making wrong. You know, there's yeah, you know generating fear of us. Yeah, so that's kind of all happening like mm-hmm. times ten. 
Yeah. More than that, that I've ever experienced in my lifetime. Absolutely. And then, and, and yet you're right. And yet there's also this, and perhaps the two are feeding each other at some level. Um, there is this, this, this other awakening, which is, yeah, which, which is everything as you've just described, which is, you know, about caring, about trust, about doing the inner work. Um, it's like, it's interesting, is it? We're just at this seesaw, very scary for many of us, including the people that are really doing the work, you know, we're looking at the cycle of enormous collapse and unknowing and confusion, and yet this massive um, inward, hence that we can sit down on a Monday morning and have this chat, this kind of inward rising where most people are either lost or looking for more or want to make a difference. You know, it's just, you know, this outward world where in a way we've settled to um, – punish others to make ourselves right. right. Yeah, you, you know, it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? How have we done it? We've been brought up to legitimize in some way the elimination of another across the field in the big movements of, of course, Black Lives Matter and gender equality and big, big things that matter. But just also in schools, in oh, the way we've treated our best friends, you know, we've, it's, we've legitimized um, it's okay to eliminate others' points of views, ways to be, in order to resolve crisis. You know, on a bigger yeah. scale, we go to war, we divide. We it's so big, and you know, I also I'm very careful in my own practice and the people that I work with not to get lost in it, because also all this just talking about this could be absolutely you know, that we have no hope. And yet I believe we're in a big cycle of hope. But when we begin to thought, think and about it, it could also invite the great withdrawal to the duvet, you know, and think, what on earth can I do with all this? And that's where I think we need resilience and courage and strength. And this more, in a way, spiritual guidance of, of, of compassion, because we can't do it alone. It is tribal. We are tribal. And we have to kind of hang out very consciously with the people that we have a commonality with. Because if we go too far away, I mean, you've just said that as several times, you know, cliche or people would say this or whatever. You know, it's true. But, but if we're trying to rise from the inside with a different way, in a simple way, singularly as householders, just normal everyday people, not gurus or avatars or huge leaders in the field, just simple people choosing to do it differently. I mm. think that's the beauty of what we can do now in simplicity, you know. Yeah, that's right. Like, I mean, I've been get, really getting into my meditation practice. Yeah, and there's nothing simpler than sitting down on a chair Absolutely. for 20 minutes. I mean, that's right. It's so accessible. You know, this, this certainly the spiritual growth. I mean, uh, I find to be, you know, re really successful. I, for, for the for the more of the, the the deeper emotional work I've had, it I've needed, you know, a lot a lot more guidance and help. But yes, certainly on the the spiritual level. Um, and I think you said somewhere in one of your podcasts that I listened to super quickly, and you said that you'd gone into some organization where they were all practicing meditation as as yes. their, and. And that that 
that incredible field as you walked in of that co-regulation. And yeah. as you do your own work, you, your own nervous system of not getting triggered, not, of course we are going to be because we are human and, you know, we've got the full range, but that we can return to something that's yours and dependable and still and reliable and silent. Do you know? Yeah. And it's interesting, and it, and it builds on itself. So the more I yeah. do this meditation, the more I'm like looking forward to doing it, and the less I'm interested in engaging in that, you know, that world of divisiveness and fear and make wrong, and that, that's that's so easily accessible. You know, just you just, just got to turn on your computer, yeah. and it'll blast you. Right, these yeah. people are wrong, and these people, and you should be doing this, and you shouldn't be doing. It. And, and you know, and what's interesting is that the, the, it's almost like building a spiritual muscle. Like the more you build Abs. that, the more. And the more you want to do it, it's like when you first start going to the gym, it's awful. But then you get, you're looking forward to going to the gym or you're looking forward to doing that yoga practice. And that's what I'm finding. It becomes, you know, what's that phrase? You know, first, first of all, you're trying to master the practice and then the, the practice masters you. Masters right? you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I true. think that perhaps that's what we're talking about. It's, that's part of this flipping point is that more and more people are finding these practices uh, finding these ways of being and and becoming mastered by them, and then and then it, the, their journeys are just accelerating, and and they and they change those around. Absolutely, absolutely, and I love that, that what you said. You know, I think, I, you know, I've just come back from a two month sabbatical, which I've never ever. I mean, I don't. You know, maybe I lasted it when I was eighteen, and I found the need from having been very involved in the last eighteen months to really switch off and come right away. And I went to the forest and then I went to the ocean and then I went to family. And then eventually I ended up in my um, beautiful mountain retreat in um, mountain house in Andalusia. And what I really learned about through all this is self-care and self-love is also an act of extreme courage. No, it's courageous to say I'm going to stop. It's courageous to say I'm going to meditate. It's courageous to say I'm not going to engage. And just what you're saying, I so found in my own practices, even though I was doing good things, I was also getting swept up in the good things, the demand. And, you know, the field has a certain way of working that the more you give, the more it takes. It's just <laughs> does that. And so this active muscle, which you're talking about, of really valuing yourself and humanity and the world so much, with so much love, that you can actually stop and reconfigure, I think is a spectacular human thought. And it yeah. was interesting, you know, when I went to the forest to sit with a shaman, and uh, he did these tests. He was sort of measuring and doing all these incredible things. And when I arrived, fairly depleted, fairly depleted, I, um, he measured my field. And the first thing he did was, you know, he measured my field. He took my mobile away and he measured my field. And it was reasonably healthy because I'm heart-based and my field is quite big in that capacity. And it was, I don't know, seven, eight, nine feet. He put this back on me, near me, mm. and it shrunk to 12 inches. So my field, my energy field, with all these devices, we know this, but seeing it was interesting. 
had shrunk. And then three days of just being in nature, just sitting with the trees, not doing anything particularly, just listening and watching and letting nature's principles talk. Not woo-woo, just being quiet, lighting a fire, listening to the noises, sleeping under a beech tree. When I came out, he measured me again and my field had naturally, which is my immune system as well, gone to 14, 15 feet without anything. I wasn't in deep meditation or chanting or calling in the avatars or the Buddhas. I was just in simplicity, letting nature talk. And I think as well in this, in our human story is, you know, nature has a rhythm. Nature has a template, whether we're looking at all the incredible mushroom consciousness or the tree consciousness or all the um, interrelationships of working together and how it works together. It's such an amazing teacher. And how did we push that to the backdrop and put buildings and Wi-Fi and technology? Listen, they're all great in their place. But what, what I think we're all seeing now is nature needs to be a very strong rhythm cycle teacher for us. She yeah. has to be. And, and I think that's such, you know, and I love the way you've articulated that. And that, and that, you know, speaks to me. I just spent the weekend canoeing with one of my sons, right? And we, oh, we just off and we, you know, we, we canoed down the, the stream, you know, for river for a few miles and wild camped and canoed back, and, you know, and I, and I absolutely get it. Right. I mean, it's wonderful. And I think this is the articulation we need to get to around caring for the environment. Because I, I get, when we go into, you know, climate change and stop your emissions and, and don't do this, you know, we, we're back in. To me, the, the consciousness is that's, that's not what the world needs. Yes. What we actually need is this positive articulation and this narrative around compassion, care, connection, co-regulation, you know, being in nature. And, and naturally then, you know, we, we will be desirous of preserving and, and cherishing and nurturing that environment, you know, without having to go beat up a politician. Absolutely, because that's, that's doing nothing. You're so right. I, I, you know, I'm on your team, Richard, because, you know, if we're beating up and we're wronging and we're pointing fingers, our nervous systems are in exactly the same place of overcharge and releasing toxins through the body. But this more sanguine understanding when we can get it to be peaceful, our nature fundamentally is peaceful, buried underneath all that. That's why we can go into peace with the right guidance. We can go into love and expand. We know it. But the busyness and the noise and God help us all the opinions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, all the opinions. I mean, how did we get so many opinions? Everybody's, we've all got opinions. I've got opinions. Listen, I'm there with it. You know, I'm just trying to be a little bit more empty and a bit more spacious and like you are leaning back. I'm not leaning in. I'm leaning back into life to let it hold me. And just really what I talked about courage is really choosing to protect myself and not get triggered, not get caught. And, you know, our vanity and our egos, and which can also interface with I can make a difference and what I want, you know, it, 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 we're so 
tenderly attached to things. Sorry, you were going to say something. No, 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 that makes so much sense. And, and the courage and the stopping, you know, that courage to stop is, yeah, we need a world that celebrates that. I mean, and, it, and it's, it's so interesting because that can come out in a very sort of pragmatic sense when I work with organizations and, you know, the big theme right now in organizations is how do we become more agile in organization? And, and, and that is often, you know, stopping and pausing and reflecting. So it's interesting that so many of these different fields are, are really talking the same. Because we're waking message. up. It is a collective field. And as, this yeah. is the interesting thing. As one person gets it, as you go in to talk to an organization, it is going to affect, it's going to ripple. This is, it's just that this is a consensus, you know, we're agreeing to something and it, and it is multi-affected. And now we're all talking about this. I mean, when I first started 40 years ago, you know, very few people were talking. And, you know, now my, my, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's no big deal. It's no great deal. It's just um, my words are part of many words. We're all speaking the same language. Yeah. Yeah. And, you're, and, and I think this, this idea of, of sort of valor and courage being attached to doing self-work, I think, is something that we need to integrate because it is important to have the warrior energy. It is to talk about, you know, it's brave to, you know, face a fight. You know, all of that mythology, I don't think we lose anything. But there's also sometimes that, that challenge you need to face is, is inside you. And sometimes that means you've got to stop, you know, engaging economically or you know, you, you've, you've got to just give yourself space to, to heal and reflect and do the work. And yeah, if, I think that's what, that's what we need right now in our culture is a celebration and a veneration of people taking time out to do, the, to do their work. Uh, yeah, and I think that that's, that's a big part of where we need to get to and what, what's, what's emerging, as you say. Absolutely, agreed. Um, yeah, and that, that, that's at an individual level, at a team level, uh -huh. um, whatever. So maybe let's talk a bit about your, your when did you first stop? Like, what, what, in your story, what, what was it, when, was, when did you find the courage to stop? Yeah, well, I was stopped, literally. I mean, I was stopped, you know, I had just on my first Saturn return, I had um, two massive car accidents, massive. So, you know, I think I always had whisperings of this when I was a little girl. And then when I was 14 to 27, you know, I entered the world with a massive H for hedonism and did it all, you know, and got lost in the jungle for sure. And when I was 27, as I said, I, I was walking. I was living in Malta at the time. I was walking on the street very late at night, just coming back from a nightclub. <laughs> and, of course, and um, uh, a car, I, there was no, uh, our car had run out of petrol. And so I was walking up what would have been a, a pathway, except that it was in the country. And a car was overtaking and hit me. And I ended up smashing both my legs and taking. So, you know, when you talk about having to stop and I yeah. ended up uh, on the back seat, broken, absolutely broken. Yeah. And I spent a year and a half in the hospital. And then after and had all sorts of, of course, realizations, understanding, integrations. I came out in November. And I had my second car accident. I came out in November after 18 months of operations and hospitalization. 
I had a second crash in Africa in January where every other bit that I hadn't broken, the only thing that I didn't break was my back and my neck, but everything else got. And, and, And so began my journey. And so began my journey. And in a way, it was almost instant. You know, I started to, things started to happen. The chessboard started to readjust. I couldn't move. I was lying. I had to learn to walk again. And very quickly, I met an incredible teacher who I was with for 16 years. And we began this very deep um, inner reflection of yoga. And also to be able to, to move again, I had to do something like, eight hours of yoga a day for three years, broken into two hours. Um, uh, So, and I, and that's, you know, I was broken apart and I had to come back together. And obviously, you know, we can all take life, can't we? We can be crumbled by it or we can expand into it. And I was graced, you know, I was graced if people, you know, go back and say, would you change anything? Not one thing. It was tough. It was strong medicine. It gave me a lot um, and began my journey of really deep. The question that's always been in my life since I was a little girl, you know, what's true? Is this true? How can we be free? How can we be happy? Do I believe this? I was always a bit of a subordinate, you know, didn't want to fit in, didn't want to agree. I remember when I got married and I was Catholic and... um, I, you know, we had to confess or something just before we got married with the priest. I remember having radical arguments with him at 21 years of age because I refused to admit that I'd done anything wrong. (laughs) And I wanted to have a discussion with him on forgiveness and acceptance, even at that age. So it's always it's always always had an inquiring mind, always had an inquiring mind and always had a mind that didn't necessarily want to conform. And so from that place, you know, I started to study. I started to take on different disciplines, different studies, different inquiries, different teachers. And and I ended up here, you know, at this point now, all these years later, with my own version that is beautifully now, everybody's speaking the language. But as I said, when I began 35 years ago, you know, people would either say, you know, I'd taken too many drugs or something was wrong or, you know, I was just a pirate or, you know, and, and um, we weren't doing it then, but now everybody is. So that's where the yeah. journey started. Yeah. And I suppose what strikes me about that story is, did it, was there, or the question I have is, this, was there a point, because somebody might go through that trauma and think, okay, well, my task now is to get my bones better, right? They may experience purely on a physical Realm, right. Okay. So I need to heal my body and I need to heal my bones. But it sounds like to me, you were having realizations on you know, multiple levels. Yeah. When did that come in? It came in really quickly. I mean, literally when I was going in and out of consciousness within the first 10 days, I mean, I did experience, and to use your word cliche, I did experience an, an, a merger, which I know now with the unified field. I absolutely... Right went into the quantum field and I experienced love. And whether that is God states or Buddha states, whatever we want to call it, I went into love and it was so tangible and it filled my being like there was no going anywhere. And in a way, I could say that I, I unified in some way with a higher aspect of me. Yeah. And 
And that, and that just propelled the questions for me of what are we doing here? You know, I, I, it was to, to really look, to really look and see and put myself through, listen, you know, this medicine path in a way that I've been on for the last 40 years, it's, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. It's tough. I put myself through it in these quests and questions to dismantle. And, and as you said earlier, you know, also, you know, it is the psychological work. You know, again, I'm talking way back then, which was much more as we inquired about our parental patternings and yeah. how have we developed. And then it sort of developed into shadow work. And now, you know, it's kind of keeps shifting and changing as we grow and we collect different parts of our ancestral awareness. But I had to do really deep reflection into and it's carrying on it never ends every day every yeah. minute is a reflection but yeah it was a big psychological that's what i was after i was after i kind of got that how my mind and my emotions affected my body and it wasn't enough just to work with physicality even though a lot of my work is very much about the nervous system and listening to the body intelligence that's been huge in my life to develop intuition and deep listening to the innate body intelligence, which we get separated from because we're brought up in a culture. You fall over, keep going, you know, um, you know look at so-and-so, they're not complaining, pull yourself together energy. And it disrupts what we call now the feminine consciousness to be able to listen uh, to what is going on and to act from that listening that again is a courageous act. Yeah. Yes. And, and I, and the way I see it and the way I experience it is that the, the more work I do on every level, the deeper I'm able to connect with any other level. So the, the deeper right. the emotional work I do, the more embodied I become. Yeah, the more embodied I become, the more emotional work, the more spiritual work I do, the more, you know, more, more, the, the, the deeper I can go psychologically, right? These, these all connect for me. And yeah. that's, and, and, and again, but that, that, you know, it's kind of, again, it's another, you know, word we use a lot. You know, this holistic view, again, is sometimes it, it you know, it's seen as it, it gets, it gets denig denigrated. And I am, um, yeah, you know, it's I, astounding, and, isn't it? Because it's it astounding it's because once you've experienced it, you can't, you can't, you can't think of it any other way. Yeah. And, and I think science is, is so, is proving today, you know, and all our gut brain health and all this other incredible stuff that it's doing, you know, even if we want to take it within our body structures and not think about the whole quantum field that we are all connected. Every cell has a memory. Every breath has an, an experience. Every emotion travels. Every time you let go, something else comes. I mean, if we, stopped and thought about just the magicalness of our human experience. Uh, and the sadness is we often die without realizing because we haven't been invited to stop, listen, feel, mind, body, spirit, cell, however we want to do it. So we're losing. We're so disconnected. You know, most of us in the West are living from here up. You know, this isn't so great. What's in the ear ain't so great, is it? Let's face it. And so as we, you know, your words again come into this more embodiedness and we stop 
there is a chance to really look at the magical mysticism of what it is to be alive. Yeah. The sadness is we're missing that moment. We're missing it and we're putting our attention into fixing or getting more or making even more happen, which is our brilliance. You know, I can't comment on that too much. I probably could, but I don't want to. You know, it's like I'm really interested in us really savoring this incredibleness of our our potential aliveness and we're missing it yeah 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 we are and the way i see it is that because i experienced you know i didn't get into any of this really deep self-work until you know my my sort of third until i was about 30 so you know i had that life of just being my help you know just being in my head and and the way i contrast is it's a life of of kind of chronic low-level suffering right which is where you know this sort of you know this kind of day-to-day you know pretty shut down you know some suffering but you know low level manageable suffering right and 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 this is where the courage comes in into opening up to allow ourselves to feel like acute experience acute pain right like you you you, you, you've got to and but once you do that it's in the moment it can feel acutely uncomfortable but over time not only does the day-to-day suffering reduce slowly, but as you say, you then opening up to this glory and this this wonder of of what experiences a human can be, you know. And you talked about you know that feeling of you know absolute love. Those experiences are available yeah. you know, if we if we start right. And if we start, and then and then how do we have within this? It's so beautiful what you said about you know our. Uh, low grade is this what you said you're a low grade critical suffering is that what you said yeah like, like low level suffering i think that's yeah, the, the expression so, so, so what i have for like you know well, we've all had and we just put up with it because again this is the voice that we're that we're rising with is saying there is something more there's a different conversation there's a different kind of reimagining there's a different type of co-creation this is the voice that needs to be taken seriously because the level of suffering and we're privileged in the West, um, you know, but nevertheless, the level of suffering of this ang- ang- anxiety, of this mental torture, of this not having enough, of this lack of self-worth, it's the internal flames of samsara, really, in Buddhist mm-hmm. psychology, you know, where we are in this loop of this continuous never quite feeling well enough and it's low grade some in some people's cases it's very high grade but <laughs> you know it and and then you take that and you get people together and we're in offices together or we're in communities together and there's this eternal taste of dissatisfaction it's not enough something's missing and what's missing you <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and who are we? I mean, we are, we are all loving. We are exactly. all creative. You know, we are wonder, right? That is us. You know, it is we're all also, of those other things. And we're also pain and, and all yeah. these things. And it's somehow when we can expand a bit, you know, and as, as many people say, we know we're expanding into the new world is an expansive field of love. You know, this isn't a woo-woo sentimentality. It's an expansive field. And you know, Caroline Mice, who I just love her quote, you know, we're moving from the love of power to the power of love. You know, all these thread weavers that are saying these incredible things. But it doesn't mean as well 
you know, it's not a monopoly game that you pass go and you collect 200. You know, we still feel we are having human experiences. But how do we work with these human experiences so they can dissolve and we can regulate and still be in the joy and the wonder and the awe? And if it takes us into moments of whatever else it is, it's not like we're going to plateau and we're just going to sit there and dissolve because then what's the point in having a human experience? We have to feel, but it's the intelligence of how we respond to the feelings and how we respond to the triggers and what we put to the forefront. So my my absolute non-negotiable line is peace. I invite and want to be peaceful. That's my marker in the day. If I go out of it, if something happens to me, it's normal. But how can I regulate and come back to peacefulness? And how can I go out in the street and smile at somebody or talk to somebody or be with somebody from a state of peace and not a rhetoric of so much to do, got to do this, when am I going to do this? I I cry, Richard. I cry for the stress that we in our advanced, advantaged society is under. The stress to live in an advantaged society is hell. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just wonderful for you you that you're able to articulate and and sense that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's there in all, I mean, what do we talk about on the show a lot? You know, the the levels of disengagement in the workplace, the, you know, the the level of, the levels of depression, you know, you know, the uses of medication, we just see the indicators everywhere of, of exactly what we're talking about. And it's possible to, to get off that train. Yeah, yeah. It, it just I takes think a little you, bit of courage initially. It does. And I think also, you know, why it becomes important for the people like you and all the Richards in the world and all the Fiona's in the world that dare to say no, that's our contribution. Because we can't change the world. I think I was listening to something, and I can't pull it back, but something that Plato said or Socrates said, you know, all those years ago about it only takes a few. Or whether we're looking at gorgeous Keanu Reeves, I hope he's listening, in The Matrix. You know, it's like it doesn't have to be every single person waking up. It needs to be enough of us saying, through my life and through what I'm stepping forward to do, may all beings benefit. May all beings benefit from what I'm doing right now in my simple way. Because we can't all get it. If we all got it, you know, that's they say if we study, you know, Tibetan mysticism will happen in a thousand years. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we could have other conversations. But right now, this is where we are. People that can do it, let's do it. People that can be different in their lives, people that can learn to care, people that can learn to look around, people that can stop being propelled by a judgmental, entitled, divisive, critical energy structure and start to be different in our world. That's what I'm betting on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree with that. And, and Somebody might listen to that and say, oh, that sounds very egotistical. You think you can change the world. But, but it, it, once you've experienced this way of being in the world, it's, it's, it's really not an egoic thing. It's, first of all, it's this realization that I'm connected to, you know, I am part of this. So 
no matter what I do, I'm changing you know, the world for better or good, right? Once that's been experienced, there is no ego in that statement to say, I affect everything. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. It, it's it, the absolute opposite of that. And I would hope that people listening don't think that it's an egotistical thing because it really isn't. It's, it, it's, it's not like I can, you know, I'm going to bring change because I'm, it's giving up self-importance and coming into a sweeter, kinder, more tender, softer way to be, which is yeah. if I take care of myself and I look after that as much as I possibly can, maybe passing somebody in the street that may be stressed, maybe in one minute it's proven, isn't it, through all the Peter Levine and the trauma work that, you know, our nervous systems affect everything. How we walk into the room affects everything. Our nervous systems as great, clear rooted trees can co-regulate another nervous system. This is what healers are often doing. As much as that we are, you know, crafted in what we know how to do, ultimately it's the state of our nervous systems when we are sitting with another that helps that in a way, it's not lens and energy, but it is this way that the stronger field affects the whole. So as we get more meditators or more peacekeepers or more kind people or more people coming from generosity or people caring about our environment or whatever it is, the more that they come, that's the generation. It's not an ego thing. It's a generation of how that field can stabilize and equalize the whole. Yeah. Yeah, and I find it with even you know with my kids and, and my environment at home. Like what you're saying is, if I'm if I'm in, and it's all about feeling the present that you desire in, you know, feeling that future state that you desire in the moment, right? If I'm in, my house is harmonious and full of joy and love, and I can stay at that in that zone, then I experience that around me. And as soon as I get pulled out of it, you know, by one of my kids or whatever, then then it's gone. But, you know, that power is within us. That's so interesting to notice that because it it equalizes, doesn't it? Equalizes. In in old Chinese medicine, they always used to say, if if the children are sick, treat the mother. Right. Yeah. You know, and in the same way, we don't have to be swamped with, you know, if, if our children are having problems, that it's our fault. But what we can bring is just what you said, is you, intentionally come in and you're coherent and whatever that is centered, whatever word you yeah. might want to, use, then the field around you. But if you're kind of moving into the chaotic, yeah, yeah, disruptive, you know, everybody's in a bun fight energy. Um, it just perpetuates itself because life yeah. in its miracle will always be perpetuating itself. It will always do that. That's the field, whatever it is, yeah. it will just perpetuate it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And that, and that's, and that's, but that's, you know, the difference that I'm finding myself moving into is that that then becomes the, that's the growth. I mean, now that's another case. That's the growth opportunity. It's right. Okay. I got pulled off yeah. by center. I ended up in a cult altercation and this happened last night with my, my with my son. Okay. Well, how many do you have? How many kids two, do you have? Two boys, yeah. two boys, but they're twins, four and a half. And, and okay. So that's, you know, okay. Where, where did I get triggered? When did that start? You know, how did I end up in that state? What's the origin? What's the work I need to do? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So and, and these all become these all become little gifts, right? For absolutely. our growth. They're not totally. like, oh God, Arthur, Arthur was such a shit last night. It's oh, okay. I got off my center. What's the work I need to do? Yeah. 
But that's so beautiful because, again, that's a shift in perception rather than, oh, my God, you know, I can't stand them. And everybody's, you know, they say, don't they, that our children, I've got to love them, are our greatest teachers. You know, they've been without doubt my greatest work, my greatest teachers and my greatest callers. (laughs) They take no prisoners with me. Absolutely. You know, you're full of this. Yes, mum. You know, let's get into the program. You know, they're wonderful, but that's so beautiful and such a fantastic example in everything. But I think especially our children and through lockdown, my goodness. Yeah. These were challenges for to be at home with your kids and not being able to go out. Yeah. And you will define, depending on what track people are on, this was either hell or it was like, a, yeah. you know, a wonderful opportunity, you know, opportunity for growth. And yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's it. And mm. um yeah. I mean even and even at the you know, you can look at it at the family level, at the society level. I you know, I think we we're, we're gonna come out of this whole situation with um you know, for those who are on the natural health path, they're gonna come out and certainly this is my experience. I've got my my, <laughs> my understanding and appreciation uh yeah, for natural healing as you know, magnified. 10 times over this period yeah. uh, but because of the situation we're in. Yeah, yeah. Grow and expand or shrivel and contract. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, this, this is wonderful. Okay, so let's talk, so let's talk about your, no, so, so you've, you've, you've had this, this accident, you've, you're doing the yoga uh, two times four hours a day. Um, what else do you start to bring in? What have you found that's been useful? And then sort of how are you wrapping that into your program? Yeah, well, I, I kind of started, I mean, I became an avid reader. I mean, you couldn't find me for three years under books, you know, just looking at different philosophies, different understandings, and feeding my mental body, because I do think that's important. And I then went to study something called biodynamic medicine. I then went on to do numerous body therapies to understand the nervous system. And obviously, my own very deep, um, you know, in some terms, we call that recapitulation, relearning of things that I knew at a much more essential level. So I've been on a huge journey, you know, working with the Shadowlands, working with, I did a whole bunch of work with family of origin and codependency, ancestral work. Um, I think I've said shadow work, you know, the indigenous cultures. A lot of my framing has been Tibetan mysticism, um, all sorts of, of, of journeys to keep. And then, and then way back, I forget how long ago it was. I mean, I'd have to go by my kids probably 32 years ago. Um, I started something called Stop the World, which was the first alternative health farm in the UK. Uh, which was super brave. And I think often of it lovingly a bit like Faulty Towers, because honestly, you know, one minute we were teaching yoga, the next minute we were cooking, the next minute we were cleaning the loos, the next minute we were making the beds. You know, it's been a path of graft, really strong work to get here. But I always, um, I think my one of my deepest loves has been community and and just bringing people together that's the irishness of me and my irish grandmother and song right. and and stories and and then i was brought up in the west indies so that that thing of you know 
texture and smell and sensuality and all these sorts of influences. So I started something called Stop the World. And that was the, the first detox place in England and detox right. yoga, think body work. I also came right away from how I'd been educated, which was 55 minutes a week. Um, I'd see you again. And I just never saw how that could work. You know, I think that when we're healing, we need me deeper contact. And I started to learn a lot about the body and the nervous energy through lo lots of different ways. And so that ended up through years later becoming what is now the Arigo program, uh, which has got many different arms to it, um, but primarily the one-to-one -one where people come and they stay for four days, five days, 15 days, 20 days. And we work across the board. Sometimes it can be with addiction. Sometimes it can be with life searching. But ultimately, the clue is how can you help be held and rest and be given time in a place that listens and restores dignity? And so I've developed a lot of work um, around this, around trauma, around shock, around grief, it's quite a big body when I start to talk about it. You know, I just get on with it in the day. But if I start to think about it, it's yeah. like, oh, my God, there's a lot. I run retreats. I do one-to-ones. We're just starting a whole body of retreats, which I'm very excited about. Normally, you know, they used to be in India or America or um, Spain because I love to travel and I love to go to these places. Now they're in England, which I'm really pleased about. So we've got in two days' time, a retreat on grief. Uh, we've yeah. got next month, we've got a, re a deepening process, which is a sort of slightly shamanic version of the Hoffman process. We've got meditation. We've got uh, retreats on enlightenment because I love knowledge. I love yeah. knowledge. I absolutely love knowledge. It's been my friend and my teacher. So that relationship between Knowledge, wisdom, awareness is very much what guides me. And then this stopping, quietening. And within that, Richard, just for the conversation, you know, I did Sunday Sanctuary all the way through lockdown where we had a wonderful community that gathered once every Sunday to talk about what was going on. And I also yeah. started something called New Codes of Living, which is a community that supports women to think and be rooted in a different way on our earth. So lots of things. But now, yeah. now, right now I'm quiet and I'm just peaceful. So who knows what I'm going to be doing, but um, wow. that's what I've done. Yeah. And, and I, I think that again, that's, that resonates with my experience of healing, right? It's, it's lots of different things. I, yeah. I, there's this wonderful phrase from a guy who wrote a book called soul shaping and he has this, weird your way to god weird your way to god and that stuck with me as a mantra all the time it's like whenever my intuition tells me okay do this <laughs> this retreat or this weird practice or this you know read this esoteric book it's like something's telling me to Absolutely. go try that thing and whether yeah. it's working on the body or working spiritually or you know whether working with aff affirmations mentally or doing the really deep grief work and and and, and trauma release work it's you know it's like that's the if you can if I can trust myself just to follow that impulse, no matter what my ego's no matter how exactly. weird my ego's saying, oh, which why are you doing that? This thing really now it's like go go there. Absolutely, and that I think also is the change for now, which is we're learning to be spontaneous and flexible. 
And before we were we were educated to be rigid and it has to be done like this. But the yeah. impulse intuition is, you know, a reclaiming in a way of our pieces, all the different pieces that lead to peace is you suddenly feel, oh, I want to read this or I want to have that or I want to learn about this. It's 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 opening. So it's not this confinement, which is what all our astrology is doing, is is breaking us open from the rigid, rigid, rigid principles. And yeah. we have to be flexible. And what you're talking about is, you know, it's so beautiful to hear you say it, you know, just trust you're led to a book or you're led to a conversation or you're led to a piece of music. It will be right. It's, it's kind of, it's like your soul. If yeah. we let our soul speak to us, we can't get it wrong. And unfortunately, we've been educated with so much indoctrination of it's wrong or it's right, but generally it's wrong, you've got it wrong, it's not good enough. That's such an un unwinding and reconstructed structurization that needs to happen because you know it's, it's – yeah. How do we work like that in a society? That's going to be an interesting question because I also respect structure and I respect form. But I think we need in this moment more flexibility to be able to find our individual ways because then you're living with this natural intelligent coherence, which is going to make you trustworthy. If you're, if you're living from indoctrination, it's not very trustworthy because it's not, it's not you. It's, 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 do you understand? Yeah. 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 No, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. We have to, I've described it as, I had it described as 4D living, right? You, you know, yeah. you're, you're intuitive living, right? You're, you're outside of like these constraints. And what's wonderful absolutely. about you when I ask you about the program, you don't say, well, we have these five steps and you come in and we start you here. And, 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 you know, if you spend, you know, 20 days with us, you know, by here, yeah. That that is not how to heal in my experience. No. You've got to listen, as you say, listen, listen. and, and co-create. Allow people yeah. to work with their intuition. Help them find the next step. Maybe sometimes they just need a little pointer. Maybe sometimes they really need handhelding. But yeah, it's it's it, yeah, it's working with the individual and, and listening at the core of it. I mean, I've never, you know, I've just been working with somebody for three weeks. Bless her. You know, which in in the field of mental health, she could have been written off. And but just watching slowly, as you've said, the delicate pointers, the tender moments, the respect, the dignity, the allowing, the contemplation, the gentleness of asking. And I've just watched this woman come back to herself in the most extraordinary way. And, and so I think this proves time and time again, we don't have the answers. We don't know. It's encouraging you and me and others to trust ourselves and to be humble. That's such an important quality for today. If we approach, you know, people say in spiritual communities, approach with curiosity. I, I say approach with humbleness that we just don't know and allow it to be shown to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, tr and, and trust, like, because the number of times I've, I've like, looked That's into doing something and then I've looked up that person on Wikipedia and they're like, they're a quack and they're out there. And, and if I was to, if I was to like take on that, right, that external view, and, you know, I maybe wouldn't have done it. Yeah. But the fact I was able to trust my education, no, this feels right. You know, yeah. I'm going to try it and I'm going to see, and I'm going to trust my experience. Yeah. Um, 
And that's, you know, that's so important. And yet when I've gone the other way and I've found somebody, oh, they've got all the credentials and, you know, and I'm not saying that somebody who's really well credentialed isn't going to be the right thing for someone. They might absolutely be. Yeah. But it's like, don't rely on the external validation. Yeah. Yeah. All that's in it for sure. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. No, this is, uh, yeah, this has been a wonderful conversation. So, so, you, so that, so right now it sounds like you're quiet. Do you, are you get any, any sense of like what's, what's emerging, what might be next for you? Yeah, there's all sorts of that, but I'm just for now in the cycle and listen, I'm active, I'm working, I'm doing my sessions. Mm, I've mm. got my retreats. So I've said I've got my one-to-ones, but what I cannot do is compromise the stillness and the silence. So I'm just watching it. And it was very interesting when I went on the sabbatical because I went with a very big vision of what I thought and I've come back with nothing. And people have said to me, but what about this? What about that? And I'm just right now, listen, if we talk in six months time, it's going to be different because again, that's the beauty that we have to allow cycles and shifts to take place just because I'm saying this now isn't necessarily what I'm going to be saying in six months' time. It's not just letting myself off the hook. It's life. Life moves and it changes. And we have to be allowed, if we can, which is privilege. But the privilege is about being able to, again, allow yourself to change your mind. Yes. And so, you know, I'm working. But within the work, there are long moments of still, peaceful, quiet, contemplative um, reflection. And that's my no-go. You know, I won't compromise that. You know, and I'm looking this morning as I was meditating and I was thinking, holy schmoses, you know, look what I've been doing. And it all looked great. And hopefully when my time comes, people will say, I did some good things. But I have to be humble enough to say that was then and this cycle, this isn't working in the same way. I've got to kind of be my own medicine and be brave enough to let it go. So I'm letting a lot go and we'll see what comes. Just see what comes. Well, that's inspiring in itself, just being able to say, you know, I don't know. I don't don't know. know. I really don't. I really don't. So... Richard, it's been so lovely to talk to you, really. Give me lots of food for thought in your incredible articulation and all you're doing. So thank you so much. No, 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 thank you. Um, And so we will certainly put the links to the uh, Arigo program, uh, you know, into the description. Yeah, and and I'm just, you know, I'm back on Instagram after having, that's the only thing I use. I'm just, because I like pictures, so I'm back on there and... uh, yeah, the Origo program, you can find everything we're doing there anyway. And, okay. Uh, yeah. We'll put, your, we'll put your Instagram link. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Thanks, Fiona. Thanks, <laughs> Richard. God bless. Really, really thank lovely you. to talk to you. Yes. Lovely Monday you. morning start. <laughs> thank you. Thank thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.